Oh, man, I'm, uh, I, I, I kind of want to start uh, on Friday. How many of you were at Encounter Night? Megan mentioned it. I just want to say, like, if you show up to stuff like that, God meets you there. And God was in the room. And I, I loved hearing the stories of hunger, of people just longing to touch heaven and praying for one another and seeking Jesus together. I actually wasn't able to be there because I was invited with about 20 other leaders in the city um, to to seek God for what he wants to do in Austin over the next seven years. And there's a group of business leaders and political influencers that are really believing that God is stirring something in them in a fresh new way. And they're coming to a few church leaders saying, would you seek God with us? Because we want Austin to be right in the middle of the will of God over the next few years. And can I just reiterate to us, Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I am doing a new thing Do you not perceive it? I'm doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. And I think one of the things that God wants to stir in us this morning is what it means for us to be a people of expectation. You know, as I was speaking um, on Friday to this group of leaders, the word that the Lord gave me was disruption. And, and, and when, I, when I was thinking about uh, just what does a move of God feel like, it's disruptive. Like a move of God is disruptive. It's disruptive. A new way is disruptive, right? Like there is no path in the wilderness that comes easy. There's no new thing that that is going to happen in the natural that just kind of emerges. No, it it has to be kind of worked for and fought for, and and there's chaos in the middle of it, and there's ups and downs, and you run into things you didn't think you were going to run into, and things happen that you didn't think were going to happen, and you're blown away and also like taken back, and all of those things happen as a new thing is coming. And I think one of the disruptive things that God really wants to begin to stir in us is that we begin to become pregnant with purpose. They were pregnant with purpose. And I think one of the things that that the enemy wants to do is he wants to steal, kill, and destroy our ability to expect that the best is yet to come. He wants us to rob us of the ability to, to to really lean in to heaven and say, you know what, there's more than I can ask, hope, or imagine that is available to me through the person of the Holy Spirit alive and operating in me. And so what I want us to do right now is I feel like we need to stir up the anticipation in the room. And, and I, we're, we're going to do a little exercise because I, I believe that there is, a, there is a healthy level of excitement in heaven that draws our hearts towards who God is. You know, I'm blown away by passages of Scripture where Jesus himself will acknowledge that there there is a connection between the faith in the people and the outworkings of his power. And it's so important that we understand that our seat on the bus is to expect with a full heart that God is going to do more than we can ask, hope, or imagine. And I know it's summer, and I know, like, it's like everyone's on vacation, and it's like, you know, the, uh, the rule in every organization is do not evaluate in July and August about anything, right? Like, because it's not a true picture of what is actually happening. But I actually think that we absolutely have an invitation in this season. That this is not just like, oh, summer is winding down and, you know, we're getting our last little trip. And it's like, no, I think God wants to do something so significant in these days in you. He wants to birth something so fresh in your heart and in your life that there, there is an un, unshakable, undeniable transformation that happens in your soul. So there's this thing in the book of Psalms called an offering of praise. 
where we get outside of ourselves and we say, you know what, soul, I'm going to worship God. And maybe you're like, man, I don't really feel like worshiping. Or didn't we just worship? Or, you know, and all those things. It's like, no, there's a stirring that needs to happen that manifests itself through the people of God. Do you know that hunger has a sound to it? Hunger has a sound to it. Desperation has a sound to it. Hunger has a feeling about it. And it's not just for a few people to carry. It's for our house to carry. Like this, when people step in, they hear the sound of people that are desperate to experience more of Jesus. They hear the sound of a people that are worshiping with everything that they have. That are are giving all of themselves. There's a sound. And it's not a quiet sound. It's, it's, not, it's not just like sit back, oh, the little keys, yeah, oh, thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord. That's not what hunger sounds like at all. Hunger does not sound like that. And it is time for us to step into the hunger. To be hungry. To be hungry for Jesus. To say, like, I don't just want to come to church and sing some songs and I hope I like them. No. There's a sound. There's a sound that needs to happen. And so we're going to stand back up. Stand to your feet. It's going to get weird. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. Let's just jump all the way in. And here's the thing. From your gut, right now I want you to look at Jesus. I want you to look at him. Close your eyes. I want you to see him. I want you to see him on the throne Room in heaven and all of his glory and all of his splendor and all of his majesty and all of his protection and all of his provision. I want you to see him. I want your heart to start to swell with gratitude that he has rescued you, that he has paid a price for you, that there's fresh life for you today, that there's something new that he has for you today. There's a word for you. There's, a, there's, there's, there's literal insights from heaven, divine insight from heaven that he has for you today. And I want what you're feeling right now is gratitude. And I want that gratitude to start making noise. And I want you to start singing this song. I want you to start saying, thank you, Jesus. I want you to start clapping your hands. Whatever you feel like you need to do, because hunger has a sound. And we have an invitation to be hungry this morning. So right now, just let it stir up. Just let it stir up in you. We've got time. Just let it stir. Just let, as when you get captivated by him, just begin to let that just turn to praise and let it turn to worship. Come on, church. Let's get hungry. Let's get hungry for a move of God. Let's get hungry for Jesus to move. Let's get hungry for him to change our city. Let's get hungry for him to do the impossible. Come on, right now. Don't let it linger. Don't let it linger. It should be building. It should be building inside of you. It should be building inside of you, groaning for God to move, groaning for him to move on your family, groanings for him to move in your life. It should sound like something. It should sound like something. It's we're tapping into heaven. We're tapping in to what heaven is doing. We're tapping into his presence. We're saying, God, you got to do something. We're desperate. And right now, I just want everybody just to start clapping, just an offering of praise, just an offering of praise. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you. You are why we're here. You are why we're here. We honor you. We love you. We want you. We are desperate for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Sit down. Now we can start.
Lindsay wants me to tell you to apply for ADS, so I did that. <laughs> oh, dude, I feel God in this place. I, I feel, oh my gosh, dude, I'm undone. So bear with me. It probably won't be the most eloquent I've ever been, but. We're uh, in a new series that I believe is a, is a season of equipping for us for the coming disruption of the new thing. We're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the reason we're talking about them, the foundation piece is the, is the words of Jesus to us in John 16, where he says that in verse 13, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will not speak only what he hears. He will tell you what's yet to come. And he will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And all that belongs to the Father is mine. And that's why I say the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us. And his job is to help us. His job is to guide us, to speak to us, and to give us power and strength that we need to do what he has called us to do. Jesus in Acts 1.8 says it this way again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And my goal for us over these next few weeks, is that we would receive and believe that there is some power that's available to us. The enemy wants you to feel powerless. The enemy wants you to feel overwhelmed. He wants you to feel that you can't do anything. He wants to lie to you to get you to think that there's nothing good that's going to happen in your life, that there's no hope for you, that there's nothing that is going to emerge out of the situation that you're in. But hear me, that the enemy wants you to feel powerless, but we have a Holy Spirit who gives us power. There is power that is available to us, and it comes And carries with it wisdom and help and clarity and understanding and miracles and hope in every situation. Sometimes I get asked, I'm I'm in meetings often, almost every week with some leader in the city. And I I get asked out of time, like, so what what do you do? And my go-to now answer is, I'm a hope dealer. Because if I say I'm a pastor, they're going to put me in a box that I oftentimes don't fit in. I'm a hope dealer. That's what I do. I deal hope. And, and, and there's hope that comes when the Spirit manifests itself. And we talked a lot last week. And if you missed last week, you need to listen to last week. Because we built the foundation that we're going to be standing on over the next seven weeks. And one of those foundation stones is that this power transfer that happens... When heaven touches earth, that power transfer, the Holy Spirit manifests itself in a few different ways. And our anchor passage of scripture is 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4. And it says there's different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There's different kinds of service, but the same Lord. 
There's different kinds of working, but in all of them, in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the works of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And where we're going throughout these next weeks, is that we are going to be walking through this list that is provided for us in 1 Corinthians 12. And we are going to be leaning into the gifts of the Spirit and asking a few questions. What are these gifts? Why Jesus gave them to us and how those gifts can be alive in our lives today. And and so what we're going to do today is talk about the message of knowledge or the word of knowledge. Can you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your presence. Thank you that your spirit is here. Lord, we come into the throne room with confidence this morning. Lord, we see you, Jesus, and the way that your eyes welcome us in. Thank you, Lord, that in that place there's no shame, there's no condemnation, that we can enter into your throne room of grace with confidence. So, Lord, we do that right now, just in our hearts. We say we're leaning in to the throne room, Lord, because we want to see you, we want to know you, and we want to walk our lives with you. And everybody shouted. Some of you guys have heard this story, but I got married to my wife about 19 years ago. Crazy, right? Almost 20 years. You know, I think that should have, that's a little bit of an applause, 19 years. I mean, yeah, that's a little, that's something, you know. I mean, it's not 50, but it's not nothing, you know. And uh, can we just all acknowledge that engagement's terrible? Engagement's like the worst season. Uh, it's like you act like you're married, but you're not married. You're talking about married things, but you can't do married things. You know what I'm saying? And it's just horrible. It's like engagement is horrible. And, and, and so, <laughs> uh, you know, you make a, a, a few decisions. You know how time also gives you just like beautiful perspective. When you look back and things that seem like a big deal, you realize they're not a big deal. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to tell you something that now I look back and say not a big deal. But in the moment, <laughs> it was a big deal. See, we had made a decision to not register for China. Okay. Now, some of you don't know what China is. I didn't either. I grew up eating on paper plates. You know what I'm saying? Like that was China to us were like the super thick paper plates that we got on Thanksgiving. <laughs> where you didn't have to double stack, you know, or a really quadruple stack on normal paper plates. Like when we busted out those thick ones, it's like, oh y'all, it's fancy. We're going we're going fancy. Liz's family, they have like whole like things that display China in their homes. Okay, I used to go to her grandmother's house. I felt like I was in a museum. I was like, can we sit on the couch? Really? You know, I mean, 
It was, everything was just nice. And so she's coming from like, oh, China, yeah, this is great. And, and I'm going like, China, this is stupid. We're, we're never going to use this. Like, this is never going to be used. Not one time. We're not going to use these ever. And, and so we actually made a decision together. We talked it through. Legitimately, we talked it through, and we made a decision together. Because here's the thing. We were super poor. We were like Poe. We couldn't even afford the whole word. Right? Like, we were, like, really, really broke. And so we had nothing. And so we were really banking on our wedding presence to kind of help us build a home. And I knew as soon as we put China on there, dude, that's a couple grand that could have been used in another way. Right? And so we, we all we agreed, yeah, this is great. And so we go do kind of the registering day of death, you know, where you walk through stores. And by the end of it, you're just scanning stuff. Yeah, I'm just walking through towels, <laughs> clicking. Did you get that one? Yeah, got that one. You know, I mean, it's just over it. And then fast forward about a month later, I'm in Houston for the day for work. We were living in Waco at the time. Liz calls me, and she was like, hey, I went to Dillard's today, and oh my gosh, they just had the most beautiful china, and so I just went ahead and just registered for us. I was like, wait, what? You did what? I thought we said we weren't going to do that. I know, but if you saw it, it's just perfect. It's just us. I'm like, I don't know if anybody's going to look at a plate and say J.D. Griffin. I just don't, I just, you know, like it's not, I don't feel like that's me at all. And you know what I did? I didn't feel mad. I felt betrayed. Because then all of a sudden you start having all these other questions like, yo, what else is she not telling me? You see how the devil uses things, right? What else is she not telling? What else is she going to do without talking to you first about it? Now, here's the thing. It's not a big deal. Should she have asked me? Probably. Should I have responded differently? Probably. But here's what happened. That moment became a monument in my mind. Have you ever had a moment turn into a monument? Where you can't walk past it without acknowledging it? And so we would be fighting about dishes in the sink. We'd be f- about, this, you know, the real fight in our house is cups by the side of Liz's freaking bed. <laughs> I don't know if any of you else are cup hoarders, but I'm like, where are all of our cups? I go look, and I look on her side of the bed at like 90 cups. <laughs> I'm like, what, why do we need these? What, what are these here for? What was wrong with the one that you replaced it with? Why didn't you put it back? Right? Like, so we're fighting about cups. And be like, I don't understand. I don't get it, you know. And it didn't matter if we were talking about something that happened, someplace we're going, any disagreement, small or large, guess what had to come up? The China. So we would be fighting about dishes and something, and why did you not rinse out the sink? And I'd be like, yeah, but you know what else you did? You remember when you bought that China? Betrayer, you know. Then you throw those little daggers that just kill people's souls. And so I'm talking to a friend of mine. We're about five years into this loop. And I'm talking to a friend of mine, good friend of mine, good friend of our house, actually on our board of advisors. Dear friend, been in my life for almost, shoot, coming on 30 years, crazy. man by the name of Carl Gully. 
You know, sometimes when you're having a hard time, you want to find somebody that wants to celebrate your pain with you. You know, you call that friend and you're like, oh, let me tell you what Liz did. Let me, you know. And you just want them to be like, oh, you're right. You know, you want that friend to like start cheering you on. Oh, you're right. I can't believe that they did that. I did. So I'm talking to Carl and I'm just kind of lamenting to him about all my frustration and everything that's going on. And I just said, you know what, dude, you know what's crazy? Is that it's been like five years since Liz did this thing with the China. But, man, it's all I seem to be able to think about. I can't, I can't seem to get over it. And on the phone, I was living in Seattle at the time, and on the phone he goes, J.D., listening to you, Colossians 3.12 comes to mind. And this is what Colossians 3.12 says. Therefore, as, a, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you have had grievances against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And then he asked me a question that changed my life. He said, how are you demonstrating grace to Liz the way that Jesus demonstrated grace to you? And that word broke a broken pattern that sin had built in my mind and heart in an instant. And that is exactly what a word of knowledge does. A word of knowledge reveals supernaturally what excuse me, what is needed in the middle of an issue that might seem unsolvable. The word of knowledge can answer questions that we can't seem to find an answer for. It gives us information and divine insight that we did not have before. And again, a word of knowledge is a gift from the Holy Spirit that's to help us, to guide us, and to heal us, and to lead us as we live our lives. Now, let me acknowledge something that a word of knowledge is similar to the gift of wisdom that we talked about last week. But it is similar, but it is also very unique. A word of wisdom comes to us with directives, comes to us with things to do, decisions that need to be made. But a word of knowledge comes with information. It gives us insight about what is needed. The word of knowledge informs us of things that apart from the Holy Spirit, we would not have access to that information or solution. You could say that the gift of knowledge gives us, gift of knowledge gives us the facts, and the gift of wisdom gives us understanding of what to do with those facts. And what I want to do for the rest of our time is I want to jump into a moment in Jesus' life where he models for us the power of a word of knowledge to cut through so much of what doesn't matter to get at the heart of the matter. And it's the story of the woman at the well. The woman at the well. Let me take you into what's happening in these verses because Jesus... And his disciples broke all the rules 
by stopping in a town in Samaria where he met this woman. The level of scandal in that decision cannot be understated. Jews and Samaritans did not, I repeat, did not do things together. I've heard smarter people than me describe their relationship as being similar to the relationships between whites and blacks and the heat of segregation in the Deep South. There was just no connection at all. Total separation and disruption of this moment of Jesus walking through Samaria was unthinkable. Let alone to then speak to a Samarian woman. Jesus was modeling for us what Paul would articulate to us in Galatians 3.26. When he said, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave or free. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Through who Jesus is and what he came to earth to do, he made a way to restore all that sin has divided and distorted in us. Jesus has made a way for all of the sin, all the things that have divided and distorted and ruined culture around us. Can I just say that the gospel is restorative in nature. The story of Jesus is restorative in nature. That you can't encounter the living God and it not begin a restoration process in your soul. First with him and then with those that are around us. Because it's who Jesus is. He restores all that sin has divided. He restores all that sin has destroyed, distorted in us and in the culture around us. And the gospel of Jesus is a story of restoration. Everything that's broken, divided, confused, and overwhelming on earth is because of sin. Just be really clear about that. Because what we have done is that we are dealing with sin issues that we have masked as social construct issues. And so we talk about the fruit without addressing the root. So these social construct issues, these racial issues, economic issues, marriage issues, you name it, whatever issue you're having. At the root of it is sin. At the root of it is brokenness. At the root of it is a distortion of the truth of who God is, who you are. And therefore, broken places create broken environments. And Jesus comes to deal with sin. Because when we get at the root, then we get at the fruit. And I love how Jesus in this moment is going to use a word of knowledge. And it's going to unlock the heart of the matter. Even as this woman is trying to understand 
the social tensions of the matter. Words of knowledge are powerful because it's God speaking to us, giving us solutions to problems that we can't solve. Listen to how Jesus speaks a word to the Samaritan woman, John 4, starting in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. There's a few moments that we're going to run into in this interaction that Jesus is having with this woman where we see that Jesus begins to speak to the heart of the matter as she's trying to understand the practicals of the matter. She's like, hold up, this doesn't make sense. You can't ask me for a drink. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you're a Jew, and, and I'm a Samaritan. Like, we don't do that. Like, we don't, we, we, we don't even hang out with each other. We definitely don't share cups. You know, like, I, that's not, we're not going to do that. I don't understand it. And Jesus is like, but if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink. And she's probably looking at him like, okay, this has gotten sideways. This dude's been in the sun too long. Right, like if you ever had an interaction with somebody downtown and you're like, yo, okay, we're not on the same planet. You know what I mean? Like it's just like, all right, this is, okay, I'm just going to keep walking. I love that Jesus was, was modeling in this interaction with this woman that th- what the kingdom of heaven looks like on the earth. That there is no in heaven Jew or Gentile. There's no Jew and Samaritan. That we are all, regardless of where we're from, we are all children of God. And I, I, I love that he also is modeling for us the power of a word of knowledge to bring healing and restoration in our lives. Because Jesus was operating with a knowledge and understanding of who this woman is and what she really is dealing with in such a way that he's pulling the conversation away from what this woman perceived to be happening. And he's taking her to what is actually happening. And Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for a drink of living water. He's saying, hey, look, I know I'm thirsty in the natural, but I can see that your soul is thirsty, and I can do something about that. She says, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock. And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And this woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. And, I have, and, and that I have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus is speaking information about her that he would not have known apart from the supernatural power of heaven flowing through 
him. The place that he speaks to is a broken pattern in her life that is blocking the living water that is available to her from flowing in her. And again, this is why the gift of knowledge has been given to us. It's to give us clarity about what is really going on so that the areas in our lives that are broken, situations that we're in that seem like they're beyond repair, God can illuminate understanding so that we can see healing, breakthrough, and restoration happen. Listen to John 4, 16. He told her, go, tell, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said, you're right. You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Now, all of a sudden, her heart turns from trying to understand where the living water is going to be drawn from to now I can understand that God sees me. This is the power of a word of knowledge coming through your life into somebody else is that it shows them that God sees them. There's nothing more powerful than hitting that revelation that God sees you. That he knows your name, he knows where you live, he knows what you're struggling with, he knows what you're fighting through. God seeing you in and of itself is extraordinarily powerful. But it doesn't stop with just Jesus telling this woman about the brokenness that she was very familiar with. Because it's important to understand that this would have been a place of great shame for her. I don't know anybody today that's super proud of being married five times. There's a built-in shame that comes with that failure in relationship. And she was carrying that. She was carrying around the fact that the men in her life didn't see her. So much so that they would give up on her. They would abandon her. And the one that she was with even now didn't see her enough to even marry her. He was just using her. And in this moment when Jesus speaks and says, look, I know exactly something that I shouldn't know about you. And it's not to shame you. It's to free you. The word of knowledge that Jesus gave to this woman cut through all of the noise that was happening around her. The cultural tensions that she was feeling. The shame she was carrying. The disappointment that she was experiencing. That word of knowledge cut through all of it and it brought clarity to what she really needed. And I want you to watch what happens because the word of knowledge always leads to breakthrough. Can I just say that again? Word of knowledge always leads to breakthrough. Verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. Now watch this. Let's jump to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. 
And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and they stayed two days. And because of his word, many more became believers. And they said, the crowds said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you've said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. The power of the gift of the word of knowledge is in God revealing to us what we didn't know so that heaven could touch us where we really need breakthrough. This loop that this woman was stuck in in her life, Jesus had to cut through the noise, the fruit of it, to get at the root of it so that then she could experience transformation in her life so we can step into healing that we desperately need because of the clarity of the word that God is giving us in the moment words of knowledge always lead to breakthrough they always lead to solutions to problems that we can't solve God is in the business of showing us his way in the wilderness it's who he is it's what he does so the question is, how then do we operate in this? How do we do what Jesus just showed us so simply and clearly? How does that actually happen in our lives? Well, first we have to understand that the language of heaven is the word of God. This is important. The language of heaven is the word of God. If you want to get better at hearing God, then start spending your days in the word of God. Because the language he speaks is in this book. The language of heaven is the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servants of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is huge. This is really important. Because let me be clear. There is great power that is available to us. Can I get an amen? There is a great power that's a great, uh, available to us. So let me quote a modern-day hero, Spider-Man. Where there is great power, there has to be great responsibility. Listen to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Let me say that again because that is massive. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, and then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Look, we're going to be diving into the gift of prophecy in detail in a couple of weeks, but it mirrors the word of knowledge, but it's also different. Prophecy is joining with speaking a message from God about what is happening or what is coming. But the anchor for these two gifts are exactly the same. The Bible is our language and humility is our guide. To operate in the word of knowledge, to operate in the gift of prophecy, the Bible is our language and humility is our guide. We're not flippant about saying God said. We're not flippant about just being like, oh yeah, God spoke to me and you should do this or God said this. No, 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 no. 
God is speaking to you. Yes, I believe that. But is he only speaking to you? No. And this is why we have the power of community. This is why we join together and seek God together. Because when we hear God together, we hear God more clearly. Because we're seeing more parts. We're seeing more pieces of the puzzle being put together. Does God speak to us individually? Absolutely. Do we need each other to get a bigger understanding of what he's saying? Absolutely. There have been so many times in my life when God has spoken to me things that I didn't understand when I was ministering to people that led to huge breakthroughs in their lives. Just a few years ago at an encounter night, I was just worshiping and I saw this young lady and it was just like she was highlighted. And maybe you've experienced that before. You're in a group of people and you just feel like a draw. You're just like, there's just something. I just feel like I need to go pray for them. And I didn't really know why. I didn't know what. So I, so here's the thing. Like, we just general rule, safety protocol. Like, don't pray for somebody by yourself, especially if you're a dude. Don't go up to a chick and be like, I have a word for you from the Lord. You know, don't. Don't bury Mantle of the Holy Spirit. Get some people around you. Like, get, get some friends. Get some girls to come with you. And so I gathered some girls to come with me. I said, hey, let's go pray for her. And so we go over there, and immediately I put my hand on her shoulder, and it was like, bam, Deuteronomy 31.6. God will never leave you nor forsake you. And I just said that, and she starts weeping. Like weeping, like the kind of weeping where you have to sit down weeping. Like something just got touched, something got unplugged that was stuck. And and, and we just kept praying for her. And then God spoke to me again, Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, I had no idea that she almost didn't even come that night because she was wrestling with the consequences of her past feeling like because of what she had done and who she once was that God would never use her. He probably would never even powerfully touch her because she was used goods. And God used information from the word of God to unlock something in her life that I didn't even know was going on that led to breakthrough and that's the power of a word of knowledge. It gives us information from heaven that leads to transformation here on earth. And what we want to do to end our time, do me a favor, I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to have some ministry team people come on up here. I want you to, don't be shy, people that are going to pray for people. Don't wait for somebody else to walk up. You walk up. Yep, that's right. You, that's right. Come on up, people that are here to pray for people. Because we're going to activate and we're going to practice this gift. We're going to activate it because it's already become available to us through the Holy Spirit that came when Jesus ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit came down to earth, coming with it power that manifests itself through these gifts. We have access to these things. And we're going to practice it. We're going to go for it. We're going to pray for people believing that God wants to reveal some information that's going to lead to breakthrough in their lives. So if you're here today and you're like, man, I want the word of knowledge to be more alive in my soul. Or if you're here and you're like, you know what? 
I need a word from heaven because I'm facing a problem. I'm facing a rhythm of a belief system in my mind. I'm facing an issue where I need heaven's divine understanding and revelation to speak to me in this moment to give me heaven's solution for what feels like is an impossible situation. And if that's you, I want you to come up here and let one of our team pray for you because God is in the room. Amen. God is here. He is speaking and he is moving and he has a gift for you that's going to bring breakthrough in your life. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, I ask right now that you would overwhelm us with the power of your presence, that you would overwhelm us with clarity, God, that you would overwhelm us, Lord, with the words from heaven, Lord, language of heaven, fall upon us, Lord. Give us real-time solutions to real-time problems that we're facing in our lives. We need breakthrough, Jesus. We need it. We long for it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.